this is part four. I've been talking about how to enhance your personal time with God. And I've tried to go into some detail on that. Tonight, I'm going to talk about four keys to developing your prayer times. And I'm going to freewheel a bit maybe because uh, anyway, I'll get there in a minute. But let me, let's do a little bit of review. My notes are online, so you can go to victorychurchraleigh.com and easily obtain the notes. I think actually there's a a QR code in the seat pocket in front of you. You can click that and it'll go right to your notes if you have a hard time finding it yourself on our website. Nonetheless, uh, the question is, is your devotional time uh, your most important, the, the most important part of your day? If not, it should be. And so our daily time with God can be a catalyst to a step-by-step -step closer connection. I like to make things very practical. And James is the ha uh, practical half-brother of Jesus. He, he said it real clearly, uh, James 4, 8, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. So, so um, uh, J. Oswald Sanders in his, books, uh, in his book, in, Enjoying Intimacy with God, said this, we are at any time as close to God as we choose to be. Isn't that, isn't that good? So, so, so where am I right now? That's my choice. I've made choices. So if you're going to be closer to the Lord, you've got to deny some things. And what I noticed, you know, when I, when I really began my relationship with Jesus in 1976, there was no internet. There were no cell phones. You know, you had a hard phone at home. That's it. And it had, how many remember phone booths? And, uh, you know, so life was just different. Uh, you know, cable television had come in vogue. And actually, when I came to Jesus, uh, this 24-hour news stuff, I don't think it had really, it started a little bit and not, not a whole lot. Um, so, so the world has changed. And now if you're going to do anything worthwhile, you must determine to focus yourself. Is that true or not? That's true across, and a lot of people are choosing not to. And there are a lot of reasons not to because of all of the all of the stuff around us that's, that's vying for our time, mental time and our physical time as well. So anyway, you got to make a choice that if I want to be close to the Lord, it's my choice. So you can choose that. I want to help you do that. On the 17th of January, the second lesson on this, I think I talked, well, that's the first lesson. I talked about five circles of intimacy that surrounded Jesus. You had the multitudes, the, the, uh, the, uh, um, the 70, the 12, uh, the three, Peter, James, and John. You had 12 disciples, Peter, James, and John. And then you had the, the disciple whom Jesus loved, the one. That was John uh, again. So we can be at any of those places. And I want to submit that we're right now at one of those places. Either the multitude, they're not very close. Uh, the 70, they're closer than the multitude, but they're not in the inner circle. The 12, now, you know, they, they're going places. The three, they heard things the 12 didn't. And then the one, well, he was in that inner circle. And all of that's by choice. It's not that God has pets. It's not that God has favorites. Think about the person that you esteem as the most spiritual person you listen to, whatever. That person, that person has, has no, no closer encounter with God that you, than you can potentially have. Huh? So whatever, you, you know, what comes to mind, everybody knows Billy Graham. They will. He must have had a really close relationship with the Lord. Well, you can too, Right? So it's our choice. So we talked about that in fair detail. Um, I also mentioned the principles of early rising, and I'll mention that again. The 24th of January, four principles to boost a, a desire for a strong devotional time. Uh, and all this is online. I'm just going to mention the four principles and move on. Uh, frequent contact uh, develops closeness. The more frequently we talk to somebody, the more in-depth the conversation becomes, right? Uh, secondly, spiritual strength 
This, by nature, it has to be renewed daily, just like physical strength. You need rest nightly, uh, and, and then you need food intake if you're going to expend calories. You need spiritual strength renewed every day. Time with God, number three, creates spiritual power. And we talked about that. Then make time for Jesus the first priority of your day. We talked about that in a fair detail. And then uh, the last time I talked on this, uh, uh, part three, the 31st of January, four practical suggestions for personal Bible reading and devotional time with God. And uh, I just stumbled up on this stuff just out of desire. And God asked me to, to, to start my day with him. And I'm not a morning person. And I started getting up early. And if you were here, you heard that. If you didn't hear that, go back and listen. Uh, but there are four principles in having a really good reading time in your devotional time. You've got to start slowly. Don't try to go for an hour if you hadn't even read five minutes yet, right? So anyway, all that's on the, on the, um, uh, in, our, in our lessons online. Uh, number two, d- uh, discipline yourself to be awake and alert. That's really important. Three, find a Bible reading plan. Goals create motivation in every realm of life. Goals create, without a goal, you're not motivated to do anything. So that's why we have goals on our jobs. You should have financial goals. You should have goals as a couple. Uh, you should have personal goals and where you want to be in five years and, and next year, you know, tomorrow. I, I have goals. Number four, include variety in your reading. I went into great detail. It's online. Go back and listen. Tonight, I want to talk about four keys to developing your prayer time. Uh, I want to bounce off of Hebrews 4.16, Amplified. Let us then fearlessly and confidently and boldly. I love the way it says that. Draw near to the throne of grace, the throne of God's unmerited favor for us sinners, that we may receive mercy for our failures. Don't we need it? And find grace to help in good time for every need. And I like the way Amplified phrases it. Appropriate help and well-timed help. Coming just when we need it. How many, how many of you had God show up just at the right time? Whoa. Somebody said he's never late but seldom early. And that's very, very true. So the, the, the other thing I want you to understand is God longs for you to pray. He wants you to pray. Now listen, I want to say this before we go any further. You know, my, my, the idea of praying to me uh, started in my life because I was raised in a, a religious family. We, they were Southern Baptists, which was wonderful. And my father was a uh, deacon. My mother was a Sunday school teacher. So I'm at church all the time. I mean, we're at church for Sunday school on Sunday mornings. We've got main service, you know, so there for a couple of hours. And then we have Sunday night service, Wednesday night service. And sometimes we had revival meetings and they went all week long. So, I mean, I'm always around people that are praying and stuff. And my mom and dad taught me to pray. And I remember as a little boy, three years old, now I lay me down to sleep. I pray my Lord, the Lord, my soul to keep from the McGuffey reader. Uh, if I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. I think, I'm like, why did I pray that? I ain't going to die. You know, but anyway, and God is great. God is food good. Let us thank him for our food, right? So, so I don't pray that way anymore. <laughs> and then as I got older, you know, I was, you know, doing drugs and stuff, still living at my mother's home and father's home, trying to hide it. But, you know, I still prayed the Lord's prayer because they prayed it on Sunday morning. Our father, which art in heaven. I don't pray that way anymore. But when I first, so when I first came to Jesus, it's like, man, I, how do you do this prayer stuff? Because prayer was like this thing you did in rote. Okay, God, this is, this is Mitch. Uh, I don't care. Uh, and uh, I don't know what to say to you. But, but you know, here's your, your first attempts are stumbling. But once you learn how to pray, it's an amazing adventure. But, but you've got to learn how to do that. So, okay, so, so God's invisible. You can't hear him. You can't see him. Most of the time you can't feel him, but he said he's there. And you just got to know how to deal with this. So this is the relationship that can be the closest. And, and sometimes you feel the least, right? 
Now, now I, you know, this is Susan and I's 45th Valentine's Day. Now, I feel something towards her. Now, she's not at home right now. She's in Alabama. I can't wait for her to get home. I'm going to kiss the lips off her face. You watch. No, you ain't watching. Forget it. No. But, you know, I have, I'm saying I have feelings for her. And, but with the Lord, I, I can't tell you what it's like. I mean, y'all, I could cry in a heartbeat about him because of who he is to me. He says things to me sometimes that just floor me. And I'm thinking, what? what? You know, first thing, why do you love me? And he'll say something like, I just heard, I've always loved you. <laughs> See, I've loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness have I drawn you. And, you know, you can get into a fellowship with him that is absolutely amazing. So, God loves you to pray, Proverbs 15, 8. The sacrifice of the wicked is an abomination to the Lord. The New Living Translation said the Lord detests the sacrifice of the wicked, but the prayer of the upright, I like these three words, is his delight. Now, I want you to say, my prayer is his delight. Now, say it this way. He loves for me to pray. He's waiting on me to pray. You ever think that way? The first time I read that in Proverbs, I'm thinking, you got to be joking, God. You mean you, you delight in me praying? That's a hard to pray. Praying's a hard thing. I always thought as a kid, praying's a hard thing. And we heard the deacons on Sunday morning, dear God in heaven. And, you know, it's kind of in road and it's kind of strange at church, you know. Um, and when I found out you can have a closeness with God, it transformed me. So uh, one of the keys as we get into the four points, number one is you need to find a time that is standardized in your life to pray. Now listen to it and listen to me. I went to, I'd already been to two. I've been to three Bible schools after I finished the second Bible school. I came to Jesus in 1976. Listen, I'm just trying to make this practical. So by 19, so 1976, 77, I went to Bible school, 77, 78, 79, 80, 81, all that. And by the time 82 come around and, and the beginning of 83, I, this, I'm, I'm, I don't know what to tell you. I still didn't have a standardized time because I, I'm not a morning person. I don't like to get up in the morning. I got up in the morning because I had to because I didn't want to be lazy. And so I just made myself get up, made myself get ready, made myself. But uh, as far as a standardized time, I prayed. I prayed pretty much every day, um, but it wasn't standardized. And then I started noticing in the book of Acts at the hour of prayer. And then, it, you know, in the synagogues, they had an hour of prayer uh, every day. And so people went to a prayer meeting. So standardizing prayer in your life is one of the best things you'll ever do. You say, well, that seems real religious. No, you better discipline your flesh. If you want it, never will, it never will pray, right? And then also, um, you know, if you know you got a meeting, okay, let's just say you work for a particular company or somebody, and you know you got a meeting, meeting with the boss every day at 10 o'clock in the morning. I mean, is that going to motivate you? Uh-huh. Because, you know, maybe you're one of the leaders in that organization and you meet with that boss. Well, he's got something to say to you every day. If you're meeting with him every day, you must be in the upper echelon of wherever you are, right? So, so what, if you have a meeting with somebody every day, it starts doing something to you. And I'm telling you, you start standardizing a time. And it's not the only time I pray, but here's what happens. When you decide to have a devotional time first thing in the morning and let your day start out with that, you're literally tithing I, I tie the tenth of my time. If there's, if there's 24 hours in a day, I'm, I'm spending it prob at least two and a half hours in the morning. Now, 
I've been doing that for four decades. And I'm here to tell you that if I went back and changed anything in life, I would not change that except I'd do it earlier. You got it? So if you'll standardize your devotional time and standardize a prayer time, you'll start getting somewhere in prayer and you'll begin to learn some things about the Lord. Then you'll learn a lot about yourself, but you'll learn a really lot about him. So let's get into the weeds of this. Um, four points, of, uh, four keys to developing a, a strong prayer time. Number one, you got to stay awake and alert, and you got to. And that was my number one problem because, you know, I, I would often pray when I came to the Lord. I would pray at night, pray when I got home from work, and I'd read my Bible a little bit and after I filled my belly with food. That's a setup to go to sleep, right? So I mean, that's what I did, read my Bible a little bit, pray a little bit, you know. I was living in my parents' home, and when I go to pray, I just fell asleep, and I drool on myself, in fact, one time I, I had this problem with falling asleep anywhere I was, and uh, I don't like to tell you this. I'll tell you a story, make you laugh. So uh, I was on staff at the church in Tulsa, and we got, you know, you got several thousand people there, pastors preaching on Sunday night, and I got real sleepy, and you had to wear a coat and tie, you know, everybody had to tie. So I had this bright red tie on one Sunday night, and I got this really nice suit, and, uh, and man, I just drifted off to sleep while he was sleeping, and uh, um, while he was preaching, he wasn't sleeping. I, I, was, I drifted off to sleep. When I woke up, y'all, I had a drool line all the way down the center of my red tie. And it was a nice dark line. I was like, Jesus. But see, I'd go to sleep. See, you won't forget that. So I'd go to sleep when I prayed. So when I started getting up in the morning, I said, God, how am I going to stay awake? So I figured out, well, you know, it's hard to go to sleep if, you, if you're walking around. So I literally, when I first started this thing, I'd pray. My prayer life started with just Five minutes. Five, five minutes. That ain't a long time. I thought I hung the moon in the sky every night. I pray five minutes. Glory to God. Because that was a big deal to me, you know, in the morning too, you know. But I got up and I found out if I walked back and forth. And then I prayed out loud. You don't have to be loud, Susan, sleeping in the other bedroom. So I got a little private bedroom, a little, uh, you know, spare bedroom. I'm praying, walking back and forth. Then I started walking in my community. I figured, well, let's take me a little, give me a little exercise while I'm praying. And, uh, you know, and so I just, I did that for a long, for years and years. I'd walk and pray in the morning. And, um, and that kept me from going to sleep. And let me just tell you how your body is. Your body will do what you, what you tell it to do. And my body would get so lethargic and sleepy when I first started praying. But see, here it is four decades later. Uh, this morning, Susan's not home. I usually go upstairs, but I'm in our bedroom. We've got a little place with two chairs and a table and all that. So I kneeled out of the chair this morning. I did not go to sleep. You see, you train your body, but if your body's not trained, then stand up. So my encouragement is keep yourself awake. And here's another thing that happened. Uh, so, so stay alert and awake. So, so once you figure out how to stay awake, the second thing in prayer is you got to figure out how to keep this mind. Your mind will go everywhere while you're praying. Now, I'm baptized with the Holy Spirit. Got baptized with the Holy Spirit September 12th, 1976. Started praying in the Spirit. So I made it a part of my prayer life. And throughout the day, I'm praying in English, but I'm doing a lot of praying in the Spirit. Kenneth Hagin always said, if you'll pray in the Spirit under your breath, you'll keep an unconscious presence of God on your life. And it'll, it'll make you aware of God throughout your day. So, you know, I was going to college, working at a grocery store when I came to Jesus. And and so I'm under my breath, you know, my lips move. What you doing? I'm just talking to myself. <laughs> you know, I didn't do it out loud, but I was praying, fellowshipping with the Lord. So in the mornings, you know, I'm praying. You ought to do two things, pray in English, pray, with, pray in the Spirit. You need to do both. Talk about it more in a minute. But when you're praying in the Spirit, you got to focus your mind or your mind will go everywhere, everywhere. 
things you got to do, things you got to repair at home. You got to go take the car to get the oil change. You got to, you know, you got to do this. You got a letter. You got to, you got an email. You got to send. You got this text you need to respond to. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it just happens constantly. It's just rapid fire. Boom, 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 boom. So you got to find a way to um, stay alert. And the alertness, so here's what I found, and I just thought about this again. I hadn't thought about it in a while. When I first came to Jesus, uh, we were in a, a Baptist church, that the, uh, the charismatic church in 1976 had acquired. And, uh, and I remember going, it had pews in it, and I would sit in this one place right by the wall and had a big stained glass window right here. And, uh, you know, you got, you got a piano on one side and a, and a pipe organ on the other side, and you got to play, play in the drums in the middle, and one guy had a trumpet, and that's all they had. So we get to sing, and they, they sang, they actually sang songs that I sang in the back, some from the hymn book, but they soup them up, you know, make them nice, put a little beat to them. And then they had little choruses. I never sang choruses in church, but I don't know what happened, but somehow it was so distracting to me to have all this noise, because in the Baptist church, you just had the piano, and you just had the organ, and you had the guy doing this. And, uh, and then you got all these people, they're raising their hands, and Man, we're loud and boisterous and we're singing. And I'm thinking, God, I just want to connect with you. Here's what I did. And nobody told me to do it. I don't know why I did it. But I'd close my eyes and I'd just imagine myself being right there with God. I'm right there in heaven with him. He's right in front. I didn't know how biblical I was being. But I was just trying to keep myself focused. And, and while we're singing these songs, I sang all of my life. The Holy Spirit said, see, that song came from the Spirit of God. He gave it to that man many years ago. And it's according to my word. And the Holy Spirit often would witness to the songs I sang. But see, I got something out of my relationship just singing. And then when I went to praying, I did the same thing. I started focusing my mind on God. Let me also mention this. So the most frequently used word for prayer in the New Testament is uh, prosukamai. And so pros is a, a directional word, and it literally means to be in front of someone, like you're, you're in their face. And then, and then the word uh, ukamai, ikamai, is, is the word for prayer. So it's, so it's praying, it's a directional word, which means praying directly in front of someone. Uh, really close, so close that you can almost feel their breath on your face. And see, that's the word for prayer in the New Testament. It's a close face-to-face -face conversation. Does that mean so? Does that make sense? So, you know, you just got to gotta learn to focus in. The biggest problem I see people have is with their minds. They can get so easily distracted in prayer. Uh, again, praying in English, that helps you stay focused. But you want to get off in the Spirit and pray in the Spirit as well. And that's why I just try to focus and imagine myself being right before the throne of God is the best thing I've ever done. Stay alert and awake. Number two, relate to God on the basis of his word. And here's what I notice: A lot of people pray and they pray a little real flowery prayers. But I want to submit to you, it's a fairly empty prayer if it's not based on the word. How many hear what I'm saying? Uh, the first Bible school I went to, um, they had this phrase in 19, I, I think I heard this first in 1977. I know that dates me, but this guy was teaching on prayer in one of the classes. He said, prayer is talking to God in the name of Jesus, according to his word, by his spirit, without ceasing. I said, that's pretty good. So one thing about prayer is be respectful of him. How many hear what I just said? Some people I've noticed recently, they get really chummy. Even though, I, I, you know, I, I feel like I, I'm close to the Lord. 
I sense I am, but you know, I, I don't get chummy. I'm respectful of his dignity, of his holiness, of his being God, and I'm just human. So even though I talk to him, I don't get chummy. How many hear what I just said? I'm respectful of him. So again, prayer is talking to God. So when I am, you know, I present myself. We put come boldly before the throne of grace. And all through the scriptures, when God appeared, people shook. And, and if you're not shaken in his presence, you don't understand who he is. Just a thought. Just a thought. So relate to God on the basis of his word. Um, don't base our relationship with God on feelings. Ever, ever. So again, in prayer, the, the most effective prayer is going to be, I find myself reminding God of what he said in my prayer life. So I have a question for you. When you pray, do you say, God, blah, blah, blah? Do you mention the word? Do you mention specific scriptures? Are you familiar enough with the word? So then when you're praying about a family, you're praying about uh, someone coming to the Lord, do you have scriptures that come to your mind? If not, find them and say, Father, you said in your word this. Father, you said in your word this. Father, I remind you that you said this in your word. I started, I began to pray that way back in the 70s. And then when I established a, a, a regular pattern time with God every day to start the day, that really, really helped. Pray according to the Word. I want you to ask yourself tonight and examine yourself. Do, do, is the Word of God, is it, is it woven into your prayer? It should be. Because here's the reason. The Holy Spirit will quicken inside of you when you agree with the Word. The more you agree with the Word, the more the Holy Spirit manifests. How many years? So, you know, in our music, I always ask myself when we're singing, is this song according to the word? In fact, they had little uh, songbooks called Psalters uh, in the 70s that were just basically songs that people, or, or psalms that people put to song and rhythm and such. And uh, we just sang the word. You know what you'll find out? The more you integrate the word into your life, the more you integrate the word into your prayer life, the more quickening of the Holy Spirit you'll sense. How many understand that? So if you've never experienced that, you haven't experienced God to a, a depth or a degree yet, and you need to. So make sure the Word gets into your prayer life. If not, start working on it. A lot of people are fickle in prayer because they're looking for an emotion or a feeling. Most of the time, you're not going to feel God. Let me say that again. Most of the time, you're not going to feel God. I've been in this, you know, since 1976. Um, I love to feel his presence, but you know what? When I found out in my prayer time, you know, that feeling thing comes and goes. And when it comes, it's strong. I find out that it surges. Sometimes I feel nothing and suddenly I say, whoa, something just happened here. I feel the presence of God. A lot of times you feel nothing. Feelings don't mean that he is or isn't listening to you. It just means that whatever reason you're not, you're not sensing him with your physical person. There's nothing wrong with that. Doesn't mean there's anything wrong with you if you don't feel God. Let me also say, y'all are doing okay? Uh, let me also say that some of that could be conditioning. Some people are conditioned in relationships. Some people feel nothing. Some people have what psychologists call the flat effect in life anyway. And they usually have experienced deep trauma. And they usually, because of the trauma, experience surface relationships. They don't go deep with anybody. They don't feel anything with anybody. They married, but they don't feel that. I want to love. I want to feel love. But if I love you, I'm going to act like I love you. I'm going to kiss you. I'm going to hug you. I'm going to squeeze you. 
I don't feel you. A lot of people feel that way. If you, if you, if you are that way, that's another lesson for another night. But, but, but what you need is say, God, can you help me overcome the blockage to my physical person? the emotions and the thoughts that are keeping me blocked from having, having an emotional uh, a part of my relationship with someone, that can bleed over in your relationship with the Lord. How many understand what I'm saying? So if you're being rejected, hurt, wounded, bruised, you got to go and deal with that stuff. Say, God, would you help me get over that? And a lot of that produces fear. If you've had harsh relationships in your past, it can unconsciously create, here we go, I feel the switch cutting off. It can unconsciously create a fear of getting close to anybody. And see, that if that's, if that's the way you are naturally, it'll bleed right over in your spiritual life. And you'll, ha- you'll, you'll, hence a, you'll, you'll sense a, a reservation and reserve in getting close to the, to the Lord. Does that make sense? I, when I came to the Lord, Lord, I'm, I'm going to have to go another night on this. Is that okay? Because I, I got to let this flow go. But... Um, I never knew this was a problem. I always loved my mom and my dad. And, and I, you know, my dad died uh, March um, uh, 13th, uh, 2012. And, and I love my dad. And I miss my dad. And, and I didn't realize that there was an issue there. But when I came to the Lord, maybe the first few weeks in, in 1976, like we got September and into October, and yeah, probably started winding towards the the end of October, you know, I was on the glory cloud for a few weeks like, man, whoa, whoa, I'm feeling the presence of God. In fact, I went home and said, man, mama, what, and my mother, I stayed with my mom and dad, I said, mama, what are these things on me? I, it's like when I hear scripture, I hear a song, I'm singing a song, it's like all the hair on my body stands up straight. What is that? I feel chills. And you know, she says, well, miss, that's Holy Ghost chills. Holy Ghost, what? Holy Ghost chills. I said, I never heard that before. I've never, I've never heard anybody else say that either. Holy Ghost, yeah, the Spirit of God is witnessing to you. I said, whoa. Well, I felt that, but then there come a time I didn't. And you know what I found out? I had a blockage. You know why? It was my father. I love my father, but he had some anger issues when I was young. And there were some things that happened when I was, I was riding a tricycle and some things happened. And I don't have time to get into it. Maybe another time, or you can ask me questions and I'll tell you. But see, I had to go back and say, now God, I, I love my daddy, but you know what? If I'm afraid that a ma- if I get close to a man or a, a male person and I see you as a male person, there's nothing in the Bible says it's female, right? There's some kind of something going on with me and you. And there's like something blocking me and I don't, I don't want that. So Lord, I, I just forgive my daddy for what he did and what he said, how he acted. You know what? I, I'll lay that at your feet. I forgive him. And you know, finally, finally the cloud that was keeping his presence away from me came back. So you got a lot of things like that. Does that make sense? So, so don't base prayer on feeling. Relate to God on the basis of his word. So again, um, you have a lot of reasons you may or may not feel. Sometimes you're just tired. When I'm tired, that's when I feel the presence of God least. Um, I'll I, I just be real. I mean, I, like I, uh, Sunday morning, the presence of God came on me when I was praying before, before I came to church. And then uh, at the end of the service, it just makes me weep. It came on me really strong. And then I, I was on the way home, and it began to wane. And I got so tired that by the afternoon, I felt nothing. Does that make sense? So you just got to know, all of us deal with feelings and emotions. Don't, 
Don't base your prayer time on what you feel or don't feel. And now I've been in this long enough, seasoned enough to know that feelings mean nothing. Even when I feel the presence of God, I don't live by that. I live by his word. Does that make sense? And then you can get so patterned, for instance, and we have great, don't you love our praise and worship? How about give Joshua a hand? Thank you, brother. So listen, you can get so patterned to enjoying the feeling of the presence of God, even during praise and worship. And then you can also uh, get to the point that, you know, just, just pray until you feel a presence. The Pentecostals used to call it praying through. Well, I mean, I understand what they say, but sometimes you're not going to have a feeling. And again, sometimes you can be preoccupied. You got 15 things on your plate and 10 of them are staring at you today to do. And that kind of stuff can affect your feelings because they affect your thoughts. They can affect your emotions. Or if you had a little bit of a row with your spouse or with your boss or with your brother or your neighbor. See, those things, you've got to settle those things. And those things can cloud the emotional aspects of us and the feeling part of us. Does that make sense? But see, you don't have to let that stuff affect your prayer life. And, you know, if I'm tired, often I'll go into the presence of God respectfully and say, God, I'm, I'm really tired today and I need you. In fact, often, you know, before I preach, often before I preach, say, God, I, I just don't feel anything right now and I need you. In fact, I was in my office before, before service. I said, God, I, you know, I, I need you tonight. I need, I need you now. And, you know, when I pray that, I don't feel anything. But, you know, if he answers prayer, so don't base your prayer life on feelings. 2 Corinthians 4.18, while, while we do not look at things which are seen, things which are not seen, things that are seen are temporary, things that are not seen are eternal. 2 Corinthians 5.7, we walk by faith and not by sight, or we walk by faith and not by feelings. And then 1 Timothy 6.12 is really good. It says, fight the good fight of faith. So there's a fight to faith. Then there's a fight. Sometimes you're fighting your emotions. Sometimes you're fighting your tiredness, your weariness. So, so, you know, focus on, don't focus on the feeling when you're praying. And, you know, you focus on what he said about himself. And this is what I've learned that has helped me the most through my life is that I focus on his word when I'm praying. Let me also say this. God has a way of hiding. And he likes to play hide and seek. And let me just tell you what will happen. I've had this happen throughout my life. And uh, that, you know, if I get to, you know, um, what's that? He just died a few years ago. There was a song in the early 70s. I'm hooked on a feeling. I'm high on believing. Y'all remember that song? I, I, I'm hooked on a feeling. Anybody know that song? Well, you can get hooked on a feeling with, with spiritual things too in your prayer life. And I, I can tell you that if you get hooked on a feeling, and this happened, so I, I started standardizing my prayer life, getting up early, started getting up. I actually went to the church in Tulsa. And before I even had an office, I was still a janitor. I went to the green room where they took the guest speakers. I mentioned that before. And uh, I would go there. They had a desk. I'd go there and read. And then in that room, I would kneel down by a chair and pray and sometimes walk around and pray. And, uh, and you know, there would be times that I was just looking for a feeling. And, and so many times God would just say, not today. You love me by faith. Love me when you can't feel a thing. Jesus said to Thomas after he said, uh, Thomas said, I won't, I won't believe unless I see. And Jesus went up to him and said, reach hither your hand and touch my side. Be not faithless, but believing. Then Jesus said, blessed are they, Thomas, who have not seen yet have believed. Right? 
So see, that's that's same with us. So if you're if you're a feeling oriented person, you got to be willing to to get over that, and not not feel like you have to relate to God on the basis of emotion. You don't. You you relate to Him on the basis of His word. And see, this bleeds into so many areas of life. How many ever get disappointed with yourself? How many ever get frustrated because your plans didn't work out the way you thought they would? Or, or a relationship didn't work out or this certain thing you're doing with a group of people, it's just like falling flat and you're aggravated and then you're agitated and then you're upset, right? See, we all have those kinds of things. And so, so learning not to be a feeling-oriented person. You have feelings, but they're your, they're your servants, not your masters. Does that make sense? So as a young man, I, was, I came to Jesus when I was almost 18, and then 18, 19, 20. That was a real fun. Susan and I got married when I was 20 years old. And see, I'm learning so much about life. Um, and, and then I'm learning not to be a feeling-oriented person, but to be a person that's faith-oriented. And a person that's faith-oriented lives on the basis of what the Scripture says. So I would say something stupid or make a mistake and sin. I, I, I have a perfectionistic tendency that in Jesus' name is broken in my life. And I've had to deal with it, and that's the truth. And if you're a perfectionist, you never, you never are satisfied with you. Right, perfectionists? You know what I'm talking about? You never perform well enough to satisfy yourself. That's a tough that's a tough thing in life to deal with, but that's what I dealt with in my life. And see, if you're that way, you also have a tendency to expect perfection in others and be aggravated and agitated when others don't perform well. Just a thought. And what I've learned in life is God loves me where I'm at, but he won't leave me where I'm at. And when I mess up, I just fess up, say, God, I messed up. And I'm sorry. And then see, for me, my personality, when I mess up, I feel like a failure. I feel like a flop. You ever done that? See, if you become a, a word-oriented, faith-oriented person, even when you fail, I take those feelings to Jesus and say, God, there is therefore now no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. There's no condemnation. I confessed my sin. You're faithful and just to forgive me and cleanse me. Thank you. I'm walking in fellowship with you now, right? You got to learn to do that. You got to learn. A lot of people just walk around, you know, just moping around all the time because they're feeling so low about themselves. Forget the feeling. If God forgives, he forgives. Eventually, feelings catch up, and they're usually the very last thing to show up. Is that true? See, that works in your prayer life too. Does this all make sense? So, again, relate to God on the basis of his word. So, Again, there's a lot of things can, that can obscure emotions, and you'll find in your prayer life, if you'll learn to just pray to the Father. So usually I go before God, Father, in the name of Jesus. And I just start talking to him. I got a whole lot to say, and I ran completely out of time. And I had a feeling this will do. I got two more points. Open your heart. And uh, I want to talk about us changing, he doesn't change. Then I want to talk about variety. I actually have five points instead of four. I changed it today. So I got a whole lot to say, and I have not the time to do it tonight. So we'll stop right there. And I just want to encourage you to go where we just talked about in your prayer life. Start focusing on staying alert. Start focusing on staying awake. 
and not allowing your mind to wander. That was my number one problem when I first started developing a deeper prayer life that really began to cut into my life and make a difference. Um, I I had to uh, to start really focusing on controlling my thinking. Does that make sense? And so you need two kinds of prayer. Don't, if your prayer life consists of driving down 440, staying away out of the path of the cuckoo people that are jutting in and out, right? And, and you know, all that, and you're looking at everything, and, you, and you're, you're constant, hopefully concentrating, and you're driving, and not looking at a phone. If that's your, if your prayer life, you're doing it in your car, you're not, you're not praying close enough. You can't. You've got to be, I've heard a lot of people through the years, well, let's pray in my car. Well, that's great. I pray in my car too. But I got times where I seek. Huh? And I, I get down to the nuts and bolts of God. We got to talk, right? So we're going to go there next time. Y'all good? So, so, so if you're praying on the fly, some people, I'm praying in the shower. Dear Father God. No, you got to get where you're concentrating, right? Huh? Well, I'm praying I'm cutting my grass. Well, I, I pray when I cut my grass too. Well, I'm washing the dishes. Some lady said, well, I prayed washing dishes. Well, I'm getting my kids ready. I'm praying. Well, that's great. You got little babies? Good. Pray when, you, pray when you're putting your clothes on your babies and feeding them and all that. But you need a time when you're by yourself. How many hear me? Here's what God's looking for. And we'll get there next time. He, he wants us to focus on him so much that we're willing to open up and give him our heart. And when you give God your heart, guess what you just gave him? You gave him your worries. You gave him your concerns. You gave him your past. You gave him your present. And you give him your future. It's a great way to live. Now, I've been li- uh, I just can't tell you how great it is. Is it a challenge? A hundred percent. Are there things that get in the way? <laughs> a thousand times. But I'm telling you, you want to develop your relationship with the Lord. So if you're frustrated with your prayer life, you're normal. Okay? And, and if you have a lousy day, listen, when I started praying a standardized my prayer time, I found out you got really sorry days because you're tired and everything's going on. And the other days it's like, glory be to God, let's do that again. You know? And then you have a bunch of days in between. You're like, just kind of mundane. It's like we just feel like you're going through the motions. You're never going through the motions. Here's what I found out. You know what? When you're praying, you're affecting the spiritual atmosphere around you. Did you know that? And you're, and you're, you're creating a standardized connection between you and God. And when you take that time of focused prayer, the same time every day, early rising, get up, read your Bible. I always read my Bible first, and then I pray. And when you standardize that time in the morning, here's what happens. All through the day, you're on speaking terms with the Lord. And then when you have really serious things, and I have a lot of serious things, a lot I have to deal with in life just by virtue of my position here. But, you know, when you take them to the Lord in the morning, and you say, God, I've got to deal with this. I've got this uh, meeting. I've got this thing to deal with. This, 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 this. Both in my personal life and ministry here. When you, when you start your day with that and you start going through your day. See, I, I've learned, say, God, you know, I talked to you about this morning. So I come to you. And I might be in my truck driving. Father, we talked about this this morning. So uh, I'm going to meet with this thing right here. And, I, and I'm expecting you to answer what I prayed this morning. I just want to say thank you. And you'll find God will meet you all day long. How many understand what I'm saying? Prayer is, uh, prayer, is an, prayer is an encounter with God that could become so close and intimate 
absent or full of feelings, it doesn't matter, that will catapult you in uh, to things you never knew could happen. Did you hear what I just said? <laughs> My first attempts of praying were so fleeting and so babyish almost. And I don't think I've arrived yet, but I'm telling you, God will bring you to a point that, that it's a very precious thing to you. And if it's not, it can be. Close your eyes a minute. You got a good song, right? Here we go. So just close your eyes a minute. Would you ask the Lord to take you where you're not? So you are where you are with Him. But ask Him to take you to a different level with Him. See? So Lord, all of us, close your eyes a minute. Just, just focus on the Lord. You're there before His presence. So Lord, here we are. Lord, I pray for me and all of us in the room here and those that are watching online maybe at a later time. Lord, I ask you, bring a dissatisfaction into me and in our prayer life and urge us to go closer. Urge us to go deeper in what we reveal to you and what we think about you and the things we give to you instead of independent living. We're dependent on you. Lord, I, I pray for any person that would have any kind of a blockage where it's just like really hard to pray. I, I, I ask you to help them work through for them, whatever that may be, in Jesus' name. Show them what it is and let them be free from it. In the name of Jesus. Lord, I pray for every one of us that our prayer life would, would, would change and take a different tone. Take me there too. Let us go another level deeper fellowship with you, sir, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name.